A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, up, Jay. How you doing? I'm all right. How are you, Esther? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm good. I'm sitting on my bed. Yes, well, I'm sitting on my bed too. I feel a little bit sleepy sitting on my bed <laughs> in the afternoon. <laughs> Um, so I'm so looking forward to hearing all about your latest adventure. Oh, well, don't fall to sleep if you're on your bed because it's a very <laughs> exciting adventure. <laughs> Long hot days in the shade of some big old tree Making daisy chains and watching all the honey been on a great trip to Basingstoke to meet Stephen Fleming from Beecraft. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> the next station is Basingstoke. I did miss you. I thought about you as I travelled from Waterloo to Basingstoke on the train on my own, looking out the window. Yeah, well, we're at Basingstoke train station and we're just about to go and meet Stephen Fleming. I wonder if he's going to be on the platform. And when I got there... Stephen was all ready to meet me at the station. Stephen! I'm Stephen Fleming, and uh, we're here at Basingstoke Station, the glamorous place that it is. Glamorous. <laughs> and we're going off, we're hoping to see a drone congregation area today. But we've got a couple of visits en route that might be of interest. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm editor of Beecraft, yeah. and I've been keeping bees for, I dread to say this, for a quarter of a century. Oh my God, that is a long time. So it's horrendous, and how little, how little I still know about them. <laughs> the mystery of bees. <laughs> I jumped into his car. Was he wearing a red carnation, so you knew it was him? No, he had a bee on his jacket, and I knew it was him. <laughs> <laughs> he had a copy of Beecraft in his hand. That's how they all do it. What are you like at talking and driving? I know I can't. You don't do mind it. the odd smack, the crash, <laughs> the tinkle of glass. He took me a, a tour of Basingstoke. Well, the hang they still do call it Roundabout City. And just up on the left here, you've got Vita Bee Health. They produce a lot of uh, honeybee health products. So we've got a nice, nice bit of history and a lot of connections around here that's surprising that keep springing up. And then as we were heading towards the drone congregation site, as you know, uh, we stopped at this amazing little church which had great importance for bees. Do you think I look like a bee today, Stephen? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I did notice. <laughs> This is the best I could do. <laughs> Very impressed. Stephen's got a mask with a bee on. <laughs> OK, so this is our first stop today. Uh, Reverend Charles Butler's church, he's regarded as the father of English beekeeping by many so why people. why that then? Because he was the first person really to write a beekeeping book, oh. a how-to-do beekeeping. Oh. And it's really quite amazing because he was a skeppist, yeah. so he kept the straw skeps. Mm -hmm. He was late 1500s, early 1600s. Wow. And he was born in High Wycombe and went, went to University of Oxford. Then was posted to Natalie Scuris. I 
I never know how to pronounce that name. Well, don't worry, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and was teacher at the Holy Ghost School in Basingstoke, mm. and then this post as well in Wooten St Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And here he kept bees. He kept them in skeps. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've read that he kept about fifty skeps of bees. Wow! Gosh. Yeah. And he was his house was just south of the church. Now I'm sure that's not it today, yeah. but it's in that area. And it's really nice because I believe there's a new American vicar who is encouraging a bee day here uh, mm. next month, August. Well, this has been a sort of mecca for beekeepers, if you like. Should I get down and do a little prayer, then, do you think? <laughs> if you wish. <laughs> Will there be some honey discs that the vicar might give me? You go inside and some mead. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm trying to find out about his mead, because he, I'm sure he must have made mead. Shall we come in? Yeah. Well, it's a lovely church, so there's some lovely stained glass windows. We went in and he said, look, and I I looked around and I could see it was empty, the church, and there was lots of cushions, and I didn't know what I was looking at, but anyway, then I saw this stained glass window. Oh, right. And what was on the stained glass window? Well, it's a, it's a beautiful stained glass window, 1952, I think is the date, and it remembers Charles Butler and the various aspects of his life. Let's deal with the bees first of all, yeah, shall we go and point out the skeps in the, in the stained glass yeah, window? Yeah, the skeps, beautiful skeps down here. Yes, well, I'm looking now on Instagram at the pictures of the stained glass window. It really is rather lovely. And then there's a red rose in there. Rosa sine spina, mm-hmm. a rose without spines, without oh, thorns. Okay. You can see the bee on his surplice. Oh, yeah. In his hand is his famous book, oh. this, this instructional guide to beekeeping, The oh, Feminine Monarchy. Oh, I see. Uh, the Holy Ghost Chapel, well, that's where he taught in yeah. Basingstoke. Then further up, that's the tiny little church in Natley Scurries that he, uh, mm-hmm. that he started up before he came here. Yeah. Above that, Cecilia, patron saint of music, because he was he's a real polymath, oh. and he was a musician as well, and in fact he wrote some madrigals based on the sound of swarming bees and the Queen's piping. Oh, gosh, so he was way ahead of uh, Wolfgang Butchers <laughs> and his, uh, yeah, B, B1. I think I did tell Wolfgang that at one point. I'm not sure. Um, I, I'm not, I've looked for a recording recently. I have heard it, but I'm not, not sure whether there's a recording. Perhaps there's one on the, on the web somewhere. Yeah. Then oh, you can see the bees and honeycomb above him with the crown mm-hmm. and the Queen Bee below the crown. Because that's one of the things that he's most famous for, is popularising the notion that the head of the hive was a female, was a queen, and Mm. not a king. Yeah. So there you go, Queen Bee podcast. Yeah, that's wonderful. He also realised that the workers are female. Yeah. And I'm just getting out a little note here, because what he said about drones, which ties in with what we'll we'll do later today. And he said, drones, gross hive bees without stings, Quick to feed, slow to work. <laughs> they brave it with their round velvet caps, full paunches and loud roar. Yet they're uh, but idle companions living by the sweat of others' brows. Oh, my word. Were you thinking all this time they would have like got the message and started to behave in a different way, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, it's a joke. <laughs> they're still lazy to this day, aren't they? One of the interesting things as well is he did realise a value of them, which I think has been resurfacing lately. 
And that's the drones manage to regulate the hive temperature somewhat. Oh. They, a drone will provide about one and a half times the heat of a bee, of a worker bee. So they could be much more important in the hive yeah. than, than we've ever realised. And curiously, he, he realised that. And that's very interesting. And of course, the drones are kicked out at the end of the season. Yeah. If the colony feels it's queen right, it will kick out the drones. And he also said, and I don't know to, to what extent this is true, but it does make sense, that if the drones uh, are kicked out early, that's a good colony. That's going to be one of the better colonies next year. He did yeah. know a lot then, didn't he? He did. He, he knew a huge amount. Butler was really interesting because he, he was trying to standardise English spelling at one point. And that's why the feminine monarchy is spelt the way it is. He didn't even put an E on the end of it. He wanted it much more phonetic-like to make it easier. But that never caught on. So there we have him. He was a, a grammarian. He was a musician, a composer. Mm and the beekeeper par excellence. Gosh, that uh, is really, really stunning character. And the other bit that I like on this is... His uh, hair. <laughs> his hair. It's not very nice hair, hasn't it? It's all yes. sort of swept back. Trousers. And around the, uh, the workers and the queen and the honeycomb are the words solertia et labore. What does that mean there? Wit and work. Mm. So that's referring to the bees again. He looks a very nice person, doesn't he? Do you think in his sort of vessel that he's holding is a lot of honey? <laughs> yes, maybe it's maybe his communion wine was mead. I think it was, yeah. So then we went outside into the grounds of the church, you know, where the graveyard was as well. And he told us that Charles had kept his bees in the church grounds. Oh, that's OK. But I imagine it was just here, just south of the church. But do you think it would have been so close to the church? If you had quite a lot of skeps, it would have been so busy, wouldn't it, with all the bees flying around? Oh, they were smaller colonies. He, I oh, think he would keep about 50 at one time. But four of them he gave to his daughter... Elizabeth on her birth and he kept the money from the honey from those hives as her dowry and that dowry when she married was worth 400 pounds oh my word now this is in the days before sugar from the Caribbean before mm. the, the slave trade was producing all that but 400 pounds was an enormous amount of money now I've looked up tried to find out how much 400 pounds from four hives how much that would have been worth back in, I would imagine, it's going to be somewhere around 1620, 1625. Not sure when she married. And the two estimates that I've got are unbelievable. One is almost £50,000 and the other is almost £100,000. Now, it, it's so incredible, I can't, can't quite believe it. Nonetheless... It must have been some sort of sweet honey. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, it does tell you the value of honey in those days. So he would have been keeping those bees, selling that honey for, when did she get married? I don't know, 2025, age 2025. Yeah. Getting an incredible amount of money, and that was her dowry. Now, the really nice thing is that she married Richard, mm -hmm. and Richard's brother turns out to be the great-grandfather of Gilbert White. Stephen told us about Gilbert who was a beekeeper in about the 1700s, but he was very important. He wrote a book all about bees. So there's a lovely connection there, this distant relationship 
between Reverend Charles Butler from the 16th and the 17th century and Gilbert White, who's in the 18th century. But the other really good link is that Charles Butler was such a brilliant observer, Mm -hmm. brilliant observer of bees. And, of course, Gilbert White was a brilliant observer of nature. And they both worked on evidence. And it seems to me that they didn't get caught up with the church's teachings about these things. Mm. They they told as they saw it. But there's a, a tiny bit of an exception to that. Because Charles Butler, of course, was living through the, the English Civil War. Mm-hmm. And this whole thing about the Queen being the head of the hive. Mm-hmm. And he was very subtly, in some of his writings, promoting the monarchy oh, as, okay. as a form of government. Yeah. I haven't got that quote with me, but mm-hmm. basically he's saying that monarchy is much better than anarchy or rule by the many. Mm, interesting, isn't it? <laughs> and he kept the church right through the Civil War, which suggests he was politically astute yeah. and didn't get ousted when Cromwell came along. So there's some really interesting history and, and, and all sorts of connections with, with the rest of life through bees. Well, I think you can reflect on your own politics as well with bees. Girls are great, that's what I think. <laughs> and drones? Well, you've come all this way to see the drones. <laughs> I actually have got a soft spot for drones, I must admit. <laughs> he said, now I'm going to take you to this amazing place. And just keep looking, and what do you see? And then suddenly, it was like the sky was just the, in the distance. It just was purple. And there was just, on this hill, was just these amazing lavender fields. Ooh. Oh, it was absolutely beautiful. It was amazing. Oh, and fantastic. I love it. And, I and, and probably full of bees, was it? Yeah, so we stopped. We got out of the car. It's amazing, isn't it? Oh, smell the lavender. Uh, they, these lavender fields have been here for as long as I've known, and there are beekeepers who uh, put bees by them, and it's just fantastic. Did it smell amazing? Oh, my God, it was so strong. Uh, the colour's gorgeous and the smells even better. Mm. If this sort of view doesn't make you want to move to the countryside, <laughs> I don't know what would that... And, and just this, listen, can the yeah. mic pick that up? sound of the bees hello girls beautiful yeah oh that is fantastic do you feel a bit disappointed you didn't come yeah i am disappointed i didn't come i don't like missing out on anything especially something like this what would you have done if you'd have stood in that lavender field (gasps) would have dived into it and (laughs) covered myself with all the little lavender seeds yeah, oh, yeah. Have, oh, yes, I, I love lavender. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I would have uh, dived into it, and then I would have pulled you down, and we mm. would have had a, a, a little play fight all through the lavender. <laughs> we would have done. I probably would have squashed you, though, and you would have soon <laughs> fell to sleep in all that lavender. It was, oh, it was soporific. <laughs> and, and we could also go to the nearest pub. Do you fancy that? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Cheers. Cheers. I need this. <laughs> oh, this is lovely. What about this, then? 
Going for a drink as well. Did you have a lager? I had half a bit out. It was ever so nice. Oh, nice. How lovely. So then he said, I've got another surprise for you. And I was like thinking, God, he's got a lot of surprises <laughs> for me today. And the next thing was he had a queen bee with him. Oh, what, in his pocket? Yeah. Yeah, he had a queen bee in a little cage. Yeah. Well, yesterday, the second swarm of the year arrived uninvited in the garden. Was it one of yours? Certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> That's what beekeepers always say. <laughs> and so that means there are actually four colonies in a tiny garden at the moment. Mm. So I have oh. the monarch with me today. Oh. Because she is going to be the lure for the drones. Oh. Simply can't have another colony in the garden. Mm-hmm. So I united them with another swarm that had come in earlier. Yeah. And you know when you unite bees, yeah. you need to remove one queen. Otherwise, yeah. you've got a fight on your hands. Yeah. So I removed her and put her in the cage, and she's with us in the car right now. So you'll see her shortly. So she came in yesterday. Because I need a new queen. Oh, you can have her. You can take her home with you. Oh, my God, can I? Yeah. She's she's a nice dark queen, uh, which means that, you know, as the saying goes, they they reckon that she's a local variety. All right, then. Well, I'll take her. I think (laughs) it's fortuitous. (laughs) Let's see how well she does with the drones. (laughs) She could maybe take part in the podcast in future. You know, have three queen bees there. Yeah, she could. (laughs) So where are we going now, then? Well, we're... We're in Hannington, and we're going to go along the old Roman road that goes from Silchester, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic place. Uh, it was a Roman town, but no longer exists. Yeah. One of the very few in the country that didn't develop into a city. Anyway, along the old Roman road from Silchester to Salisbury. Oh. And then we'll divert off there up onto Watership Down. You'll go past my apiary. Ooh. And I'm very pleased that there's a breeze going here because this promises well. Oh, Mind you... Hostage to fortune, eh? (laughs) I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And then we headed down the Roman road towards Watership Down. Ooh! Bright eyes. I did actually sing that in the car. No. Anyway, go on. We had to get out of the car and then we had to look at all Stephen's kit and he had this long pole. It was like a fishing rod. So the equipment that we've got is, first of all, an extendable fishing rod. Yeah. So, inevitably... 
when I go out and people see me. What are you doing, mister? <laughs> yeah. I'm fly fishing. So we're going fishing for a drone. Yeah. yeah. But in here, in this cage, we have the queen bee from that swarm that came in yesterday into the garden yesterday yeah. with some workers to look after her mm-hmm. and they've been supplied with a bit of water and a little bit of honey to keep Aww, them going. I'm just going to give them a little bit more water yeah. before we go up because we wouldn't like them to dehydrate in any way. And especially if they're going back on the train with me. Yep. So it's just a little plastic cage mm-hmm. and they're locked in there so when you put it in your hive you would leave them in there and let the bees get used to her before unlocking that little piece there but they can't get out of there this is Andrew Lloyd Webber's harvest coming in (laughs) this is Andrew Lloyd Webber's property so I can describe myself as beekeeper to Andrew Lloyd Webber Maybe. Maybe I should sing a bit louder when we'll come the ship down. <laughs> okay, uh, so shall we set off? Yeah. I'm worried at the minute because I don't feel much of a breeze, but let's see what's up here. Don't worry. Okay. So here we are, we've just come over the back of Watership Down, and we're going to walk across this field on our left. I'm just putting up. Stephen's got his fishing rod out. Yep. And I'm just putting this up now putting the the lure I was hoping to get some chemical lure this year but it hasn't arrived so I'm using a queen bee uh, who will be a lure for the drones and I'm just fixing it in place have you ever done it with a queen bee before oh yeah yeah, yeah. and I'm going to put it up here just to show you that not everywhere is a drone congregation area yeah right so I'm putting up and there's nothing coming near it we'll walk slowly along here I'll just keep it up in the air, but I'm not expecting any drones to come until we get up onto that with the slope. So Stephen looks quite funny because he's walking along with a very large fishing rod with a queen, queen bee in a queen cage, and I'm struggling to get my head round this, Stephen. I really am. Well, some people have called me a drone whisperer, whisperer. but I, 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 I sometimes feel like a pimp. Because I'm putting a a queen bee in a cage up in there for all the boys to come and look at her. I think you are, yeah. And not letting... It's it's a bit like... It always seems a little bit pornographic to me. It could be. It could definitely be, yeah. It's not normal. (laughs) It's not normal, this isn't. I think I told you in the last podcast, the only time I felt completely normal doing this was on Glastonbury Tour. Because... People do anything in the Glastonbury tour and nobody blinks. (laughs) Oh, there's a breeze, that's good. We're just going along here to a stile and then up towards that abandoned red trailer. Now you're looking out over the Hampshire Downs. We're on the top of the Downs looking over the the dip slope. We've come up the scarp slope, looking down over the dip slope uh, across to a lot of the Iron Age forts, Figsbury, Danbury. Uh, Chesford, you can see Chesford Head down near Winchester, right just past the pylon there. It's a gorgeous view, I always think. So, are we on Watership Down now? This is just over the back of Watership Down. We're going to go in this field and then we're going to walk up to Watership Down. We're going to do a triangle of a walk. I'm not worried that we haven't attracted any drones yet. Yeah. You're going to hear them before you see them. 
Are you sure you're not worried? Well, of course I'm slightly <laughs> worried. I wouldn't like to have dragged you all this way not to see a drone. I don't mind, but, you know, I'm quite enjoying this sort of weird experience. It feels like we're on the way to the circus, doesn't it, with this? <laughs> I'll tell you when I think we're entering the core of the drone congregation area. So we got to this drone congregation site and we were it was very hot and... You know, we were sort of hanging around for a while and we, we were just waiting. Mm-hmm. Drones! <laughs> Drones! Where are you? Drones! Come and see Queen! <laughs> Not coming yet, are they, Stephen? This is it. Oh. Uh, let's just stand for a minute. Drones. But it's very still here. So breeze now. Now it's better. Drones. And then suddenly, I thought we could like hear something, like a plane going over or a racing car. I think that's my tinnitus. I wouldn't buy it. There's a couple around. There's not many yet. Mm-hmm. But when they... what? Oh. Right? Hear it? And then it was actually drones. Wow! Yeah. Oh, my God. I saw them. Watch what happens. When they start gathering there, you'll get two or three, and then suddenly... With luck, a lot more will see it because they're smelling her. Yeah. But they can probably only smell her from about 80 metres. Drone's eyes are very big. They're about oh, one and a half, maybe two, twice the size of a regular bee. And they're looking and they will see drones getting excited and that will attract other drones. Oh, my God. This is amazing. We saw one or two. And they were like buzzing onto the queen cage. And then a few more came. But the main thing was we could hear them in the sky quite loud. Wow! You've got to start to tremble now. I'd like to just move up a little bit because it's very still. So I'm pleased we've got at least a little bit of action. But it is very still. I'm just trying to catch a breezier spot. that that's why there were only two or three groans who came out because they thought, she's not a virgin, she's not a virgin, let's not bother. Well, I asked that exact question to Stephen. No, the virgins and mated queens carry nine ODA. That is the pheromone they're responding to. And you can see there, there you go, I'm having a good look at her. Can't get at her. He should, by rights, attract other drones when they when they see. But I think we're probably going to have to move over the front watershed down in the hope that there's a bit more of a breeze there at the moment. What might be happening is that they are much higher up, but it can't get higher up. This is a four-meter uh, extendable fishing rod, mm-hmm. uh, so it's standing what? If we put it right up, it's standing six meters up. 
but they may be much higher trying to catch a breeze further further yeah. up but I can't get there and what I find is that there's like a core area of a drone congregation area and there's a, a peripheral area and if you catch them in the core if you get them interested in the core you can pull them into the periphery some of them yeah but if you're in the periphery you cannot attract them oh I you see. need to be in the core to be able to pull them away I could take my little walk, yeah. Then they will gradually fall away and become less interested, especially if I went to those trees. As soon as I get near trees, they're not interested because it's too dangerous. We'll just stay here a while longer. Normally I find they come within a minute in a good area. This is very slow, so I'm I'm not hopeful. But let's just stay here a little bit longer and then we'll walk over the top and hope there's a stronger breeze over Watership Down. But you can hear them. But this is quite like what happened on Selborne Common on Sunday. When it was really too still, we managed to attract six drones in the end, which yeah. is, to my mind, that's, that's nothing. It, it okay. isn't really a good proof, because I'd be looking to attract about 50 upwards. So let, let's walk yeah. up over Watership Down, uh, over the edge of Watership Down, see if we can get a bigger breeze up there. I'll keep this aloft the whole time, but I know for a fact that even if I was attracting a lot of drones here... As soon as I get those trees, they will depart, and I won't catch them up again until I get about 100 metres along that path. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to start pulling them in again. Okay. Do you want me to hold the rod for a bit? Well, well, let me get over the uh, style first. There's another style to get across. Over the style. Want to take it? Yep. If you hold it out over the corn. I'm holding the rod now. Come on, drones! Drones! Where are you? But you won't catch anything just here because we're walking along a hedge line. Oh, and they like won't it. want to come too close to these high hedges because it'll interfere with their flying. Okay. They are so focused on trying to mate with a queen that they're not seeing these things going on around them. Yeah. But they know from a distance, oh, I'm not going there because I'm not going to see that hedge once I'm chasing her. Yeah. Oh, it's magic, yeah. I just... I don't know, I've thought about drone congregation sites and, you know, they're so sort of mysterious and can't actually believe that I'm... You know, this is, this is where it all happens. I'm finding it quite emotional. I keep feeling like I'm going to well up with tears. But I don't want to embarrass Stephen because he is the editor of Beecraft. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is it with these drone congregation sites? I mean, why do they choose a, a particular area like Watership Down to congregate? Stephen had all the answers. One of the interesting things is that no one can really predict where these areas are going to be except in their own particular area. Yeah. So in Germany, they look for a thing called... Well, basically, it's looking for light intensity, and it can be ahead uh, of a valley. In Arizona, they look for pathways where the insects cross. Yeah. Here, I've adopted a term that uh, an Arizonan professor interested in other special insects calls hilltopping, mm-hmm. at, at the top of hills. Uh, he doesn't deal with bees at all but he is interested in uh, other insects and he thinks they gather in similar sorts of areas at the tops of hills 
So you've got these different sorts of areas in different parts of the world and nobody can quite explain them. So in this area, I'm fairly confident that by looking at a map and understanding there are bees in the area, there's a reasonable chance of being correct in terms of pinpointing uh, a drone congregation area. Yeah. But take me out of this area, I don't think I'd have a clue. I'd have to start again, see what the criteria are for that new yeah. area. So if you came up to Crouch End, you wouldn't, I wonder where you'd, you might oh. think there's one. I always think, I wonder if there are Ali Pali. I'll have to go up with your rod. Well, I had a little look on the map. Yeah. Uh, thinking I knew where maybe your bees were. Yeah. And there's a pitch and putt course not far from there. Is that right? Oh yeah, there is, that's right, yes. Well, I think, I haven't seen it in real life, but yeah. looking at the map, I thought, I wonder, I just wondered if at the top of that pitch and putt course might be one. I often go there sometimes, and there's some silver birch that I like to lie under and look up in the winter. And I also do a bit of mushrooming up there. I go up with my pitch and putt kit, and Tom comes with me, and he always beats me at pitch and putt. <laughs> That's good. I was I was wondering how he was using his clubs. <laughs> I'm just going to stop here. There's a trig point showing that we're the highest point on the down. There's a bit more breeze here, so we'll just stand here. But I'm, to be honest, disappointed that we haven't already attracted a drone or two here. But we'll give them some time. Yeah. Um, because it's not a great breeze today, but it's a, a little it's little a waft. Anyway. Can I read to you Gilbert White's piece? Remember, he doesn't know what drone congregation areas are. Oh, yes. He said this a year before he died, right? And Gilbert White had suffered hearing loss, bouts of it on and off during his life, but he said this a year before he died, which is really curious. He used to walk across the top of Selborne Common to his brother in Newton Valence. And on the 20th of June, 1792, he wrote, Humming in the air. There is a natural occurrence to be met with upon the highest part of our dine in hot summer days, which always amuses me much, without giving me any satisfaction with respect to the cause of it, and that it is a loud, audible humming of bees in the air, though not one insect is to be seen. The sound is to be heard distinctly the whole common through, from the Money Dells to Mr White's Avenue Gate. Any person would suppose that a large swarm of bees was in motion and playing about over his head. The noise was heard last week on June 28th. So he couldn't see them then? He couldn't see them, he heard them, and even though he had hearing difficulties, he was hearing them. Yeah. And he didn't know what it was, but he knew it wasn't a swarm. He knew it was something interesting. And he'd heard it through the course of his life. And I find it really interesting that a year before his death, when that walk would probably have been quite arduous to him, he thought, I must write this down. I must record this. And he did, yeah. and and that was, and it wasn't until 1892 that an American, R. I. Cromley, said, "I think that drones have a certain place to congregate. I have discovered two places that they congregate in great numbers, about one quarter of a mile from my apiary. Go there when I will, when the drones are flying, and I can find the air full of them over a space of two acres." If I stand between my apiary and the place of congregating, I can see the drones coming and going continually. And that's the first documented evidence of somebody saying, I know where a drone congregation area is, I've seen it, and this is what it's about. And today there's, there's bits and pieces of research going on. There was some at Rothamsted uh, just released uh, for World Bee Day in May, saying that they had tracked some drones 
and find them congregating. And that was a quite ironic because Colin Butler, mm-hmm. who was uh, one of the best bee scientists up at Rothamsted, used to swear blind that they didn't exist at all. There was no such thing. But in Rothamsted, they tracked the drones and found that they did congregate in certain areas. And it's really curious as to how the drones find it. Mm. And again, another piece of research this year has pointed out that before a drone, or at least some drones, leave the colony, they do this buzzing malarkey in the hive. They, they weren't looking at bee dances as such, they were just looking at movements and whatever. So whether it's a dance or whether it's boys, I'm off to the drone congregation area, I know where there is one, follow me. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if drones are following other drones because these researchers in Rothamsted also found out that a drone could find a drone congregation area on its second outing. Mm-hmm. So it didn't take long to find them. That gives you some idea of a, a plausible explanation for how drones find them. How queens find them? doesn't answer that question. Where, where did these groans or drones, where did they come from? Are they, are they queen? Obviously, and, and all the queens wouldn't have arrived in a sedan chair or a, or a cage. <laughs> um, but um, where would they have come from? <laughs> you know, I just got an image of you arriving in one of those... Those chairs, those lavender fields, yes, a sedan chair. And then you... I imagine that the cage is a bit with with the queen in it. Is a bit like a sedan chair. It's a bit like sort of Cleopatra arriving and yeah. and Antony and all the regals flocking around her because she's so beautiful in her sedan chair. Yeah. Well, apparently they're doing some research at the moment in the Scilly Isles and they're working all this stuff out. Esther, have you ever thought about lecturing at a university? Um, you know, they're, apparently they're, they're sorting, researching this in the Silly Isles and sorting all this stuff out. <laughs> Think I'd be good? Think the students would come back every week? I think you'd be excellent. Well, Stephen's going to answer that because I didn't have a clue. I was there in May uh, looking at the honeybees of Silly. There's no varroa there, is there? There's no varroa that they know of, and there's no file brood that they know of. Mm. So they're keen to develop a local bee that's suited to the islands. In the past, they haven't been that successful in terms of having good-tempered bees that that get a lot of honey. But this year, it was looking much better. And Jilly Halliday, who uh, lives on on Scilly, has organised some of the school kids to do a game of drones. And the school kids are marking the drones Hmm. and watching where they go because there's a possibility, There's, in fact, I would say there's a likelihood that the drones island hop. And that would be very significant in terms of getting a a broad genetic variety of genes for for the Queen. So that the school kids in five academies on St Mary's have started marking some drones. This is just a little pilot. They're hoping to do a, a much more serious and rigorous study next year to see where these drones turn up. That will tell us a lot, because if people start doing that, there's some work going on in Devon as well. But, you know, this is, this is a difficult activity to do because you'd be surprised how many suitable afternoons there are in the summer to, to do this. Uh, you know, A, because of the weather, but B, because you're doing something else. So I don't get out very often. There's one, at last. But they're not, you know, I'm not, I'm not very confident here, unless... So you know what, this is what I don't understand. 
is that so say for instance today you know a queen came out up here yeah and she only met up with you know two or three drones and then you know she's not had much luck like this this queen we've got then she's gonna that day she's gonna go back and she's hardly mated except i think that today they could well be higher up okay and this idea of being in the periphery not being able to pull them out from the core but if I was in the core, I could pull them down here, if you see what I mean. Yeah. I think there will be mating today somewhere, but it's not quite here for whatever reason. Yeah, because the other thing is, I've only found drone congregation areas in temperatures above 19 degrees centigrade. Mm-hmm. And yet we know that queens are mating below that temperature. Yeah. And beekeepers report seeing mating going on in their apiaries. And I think that's quite plausible. Because if on a cold day, they're not going to go very far for safety. Uh, So let's mate in the apiary, uh, somewhere closer to home. So these drone congregation areas might might vary. But if she mates close to the apiary, she's only likely to get more local drones and not such great Mm. genetic diversity. Gosh, it's so interesting. But I tell you what, this is really throwing me somewhat. Because with this breeze now, and my experience here before... I would absolutely have expected a drone congregation area, and it's not happening. And I don't understand why. You know, we've seen a few drones, but that's 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 not that's not good enough. What happened next? Because Stephen was a bit disappointed, he showed us a YouTube video that he'd actually filmed the, the week before in the exact spot. This so is exactly the spot. We're just over the back of Watership Down where we started, and because we only oh, because we only spotted a couple of drones, Stephen's a bit disappointed. So to prove that more drones come, he's got out a video from last week. We said we didn't need to see it, but he wants to prove it that there are drones here, and we believe him already. <laughs> Look, there's a drone there, look. Yeah, yeah. But here's what happened last week, and you can probably pick it up on your mic. And we stood and watched this video, and on the video there was a good amount of drones there, all following Queen on the end of the pole. So on the video, Stephen's walking along, he's a bit like the Pied Piper with his rod and his lure, and there's so many bees following him. Wow, that's so amazing. And the only difference between today and last week is that it's a few degrees hotter today. Mm-hmm. I don't think that matters, but there's much less of a breeze. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's pretty much dead still here mm-hmm. at the moment. He was stumped. He really didn't know why. Right, and no, no rhyme or reason. Well, thank you very much for coming out today. I hope you enjoyed it. wasn't as, as good as I had hoped, but uh, there you go. Bees do nothing invariably. Well, I know that you were happy just to see one or two drones, Esther, and Stephen was disappointed that you'd not seen more. You'd obviously got, even though you were knackered and very hot, you'd obviously got a lot out of the trip, despite there not being a lot of drones. Oh, yeah, honestly, it was such a memorable day. It was something so special, and I felt so, you know, lucky to to have gone on this field trip. It was like a field trip, you know, of the area. Mm. and of um, the bees in the area. But it was so nice, and Stephen took us to his apiary, a lovely apiary, and we saw some wonderful wildflowers, and he actually 
gave me a lovely pot of honey. Don't be too jealous, Jane. Oh. Um, and it was oh. it was delicious. But interestingly enough, Stephen contacted me and had a little bit of news. Mm-hmm. Stephen, can you? Hey, Stephen, it's Esther. How are you? All right, yeah. I know you've got some news to tell me. Okay. Well, you know, I was rather disappointed in the number of drones we attracted last week. I know. Uh, Well, I've seen much better than that. And and it was the third time this year it had happened to me. Mm. Uh, I'd gone to DCA uh, in seemingly good conditions and the drones didn't turn up in, in numbers. And I've been wondering about this and I was thinking, I wonder if it's the lack of breeze or thermals, but there was a little bit of a one. Uh, I thought maybe the temperature was too high, but that didn't seem very likely. Yeah. Um, I wondered if they were just higher up than than we were fishing for them. Because our rod, if you remember, was four metres high, probably holding about five metres above the ground. And all the reports that I read suggest that drones are flying much higher when I read other people's work on drone congregation areas. And I wonder, I wonder what's happening up above. Yeah. So it so happens I have another sort of drone. Ooh. Uh, an unmanned aerial vehicle. Yes. A spaceship. A radio-controlled drone. <laughs> so the weather was pretty good on Monday, and I've just acquired it, and i just learned to fly it and got all the permissions and so on. And I went out with that in exactly the same spot that we were last week. Oh, and what happened? Well, I first of all got the rod out, and one drone, two drones eventually came to the rod. That was about four or five metres above the ground. Mm-hmm. So I thought, OK, this is a similar situation to last week. So then I launched the, the drone, the, the UAV drone. Yeah. And when it got to about 10, 12 metres, guess what appeared? An astronaut, a spaceman? (laughs) (laughs) Honeybee drones. Oh, wonderful. They they started chasing the radio control drone. Oh. And so I thought, oh, oh, so they are here. Now, they weren't there in great numbers, but we're coming to the end of the drone season here, I think. Yeah. Uh, just, Just yesterday I saw a video from a local beekeeper showing drones being kicked out. Oh, gosh, that seems early. Yeah, it seemed early to me, but we're... You know, I was expecting it reasonably soon, so the population's probably declining anyway, so Mm -hmm. maybe that's why I didn't get huge numbers, but we got many more, many more than we got with you last week. So why do you think that is then? Uh, I I, I really don't know. I'm wondering if it's something to do with the temperature, whether this year it's just been that bit warmer and uh, the drones are flying a bit higher. Previously, they're trying to keep it a bit warm in in a typical British summer and flying lower. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's because the wind just hasn't been enough. The wind, the breeze, the thermal hasn't been sufficient. So maybe they've gone higher for a thermal. Because I think, uh, I told you at the time, I've been able to get drones, find them in in what I'll call the core of the DCA, and then pull them to the periphery. Yeah. But if I start in the periphery, I can't pull the drones. I've got to go into the core and then pull them out to the periphery. Mm, fascinating. So I think they were just up there and maybe they knew we were down below and they thought, no, I'm not going down there. The conditions <laughs> aren't quite right. They don't 
fancy meeting a queen in those conditions. We prefer <laughs> it up here. We'll just wait. She'll have to come up to us. Oh, well, I'm glad you managed to find some. And, you know, uh, I, I thought it was brilliant fun and, and I loved it. So um, it was all right by me. But I know it was a bit disappointing for you. But now I do know that there's loads of drones on Watership Down. So thank you for letting us know. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and now I'm looking forward to going out to some other areas because I've always wondered what's happening up above the trees. Oh. Places that I haven't been able to search for honeybee drones before but now we have the technology oh so the little queen she went on a little aeroplane she had an astronaut suit on and off she went into space I think she liked it though she came down safely and all was good but the drones were just much much higher up Mm, we're very confusing for the drones, wouldn't it? To smell that, but then have this automated thing in the sky. Mm. All right, well, I love you loads, and thank you to you and Stephen for telling me all about it. It was so interesting, such an interesting episode, so thank you very much for sharing. And uh, until the next time, dear Essie, I love you. I love you, my favourite queen bee. <laughs> Bye. Bye. And I'll call you up whenever I'm feeling down. Queen Bees is written and created by Esther Coles and Jane Horrocks. It is produced by Claire Broughton, Andy Goddard and John Wakefield and partly recorded at The Hives on my allotment near Crouch End in London. Our title music is Sweet Nothing by Amy May Ellis and Will Cookson. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Queen Bees Pod for pictures and videos from the hive. Queen Bees is a hat trick podcast. It feels so good just to have you around. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.